Today on the show, Robots in the Confessional, Apologies Church Father style. Can we get too much of saintly devotion? Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Hello, hello. It is time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 404, File Not Found. I am Father Chris Decker. (laughs) Joining me this week, we've got Tyler Traha. He is the director of the Franciscan Experience for Fran Yu in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And he joins us. Hey, Tyler. How you doing? Doing fine. Doing fine. Uh, Kathleen is on assignment and so you are now on assignment here. Yes. Glad yes, I am. You. Glad to be here. Very good. Always. We're going to go up to the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth orbit satellite uh, to, to check in on our own Jeff Blackwell. He is the technical director of the CU. You know him. Hey, Jeff. Thank you, Father. Good to be here. A uh, little, little casual night here on the That's true. The you're, you're, you're celebrating a kind of a day of rest. Up there on the satellite. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, and Ed Ball is our video director. He is the one who runs the video. So if you're watching us on Roku or on television or somehow have managed to figure out how to squeeze a video signal out of radio, uh, Ed's the one doing all of that. Now, we uh, are expected to see Olivia. She got caught in traffic, and so she's on her way. But uh, but we'll, we'll add her into the mix uh, whenever she gets here. No problem there. So... Uh, there, there was a, uh, a little chatter going on uh, in a Vox article. Vox Media, of course, is uh, one of these online mm-hmm. kind of magazine discussion zones. Um, once a man's ordained a priest for the Catholic Church, he acts, are you ready for the Latin? Right. In persona Christi uh, Capitis. Oh, okay. So that last word is a yeah. new one for me. Oh, Capitis, yeah. huh? Well, Jeff will remember it because that's where we get the word caput from. <laughs> oh, now that I've heard of. Yeah, kaput. Yeah. Uh, kaput means head. So whenever whenever mm. a priest acts, like whenever he confects a sacrament, all right, when he when he um, uh, whenever he absolves, right, whenever he baptizes, whenever he confects the Eucharist, uh, he acts in the person of Christ, the head. You see, so yes. so we're all members of the body of Christ, but when the priest acts, he acts in the person of Christ, the head. And, uh, and so uh, the, there, there are symbols that go along with that. Uh, the priest's hands are anointed with oil at his ordination. He lies prostrate on the ground to symbolize laying down his life. The bishop's hands are laid on his head. Um, and ordination leaves an indelible mark on the priest's soul. So like in baptism and in confirmation and holy orders, your soul is configured in a new mm-hmm. and a different way, right? Uh, oh, good. I got a catechism ding there. All right. So so during uh, his priesthood, the priest uses his mouth to preach, to speak the words of blessing, um, and he uses the words of consecration. Uh, he elevates the Eucharist. So he's got he's got holy hands, right? Exactly. So uh, here's the issue with, uh, with what was happening on Vox. What happens if the priest were a robot? Interesting. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. So, uh, so Sister uh, Ilia Delio, who holds the jo- Josephine C. Connolly Endowed Chair of Theology at Villanova University, she said that Catholicism should reimagine the priesthood and consider robots instead of or alongside of men. She's a Franciscan sister. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so uh, so she said, uh, and I quote. Uh, um, we have these fixed philosophical ideas, and AI challenges those ideas. It challenges Catholicism to move forward toward a post-human priesthood. 
Um, she also said the Catholic notion would say that the priest is ontologically changed upon ordination, but is that really true? Question mark. Uh, for that, uh, let's go to Olivia. Olivia, is that really true? <laughs> that's, that's okay. You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. So by, the, by your tone, I'm going to guess no. No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done, Olivia. Yeah. Olivia Galino, by the way, joins us uh, Hello, so after. Sorry. That's okay. Traffic is traffic. It's real. Yeah. Even you're, on you're a good. Sunday evening. In fact, uh, yeah, on, on what the, was that? <laughs> on the radio and on uh, and on television, let's just take a moment to breathe with Olivia. <sighs> there we go. And are. drink a sip of coffee while we're at it. That's right. Oh my in gosh, case. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So if you're just joining us, uh, that's that's the the, the story. Um, is that that Sister Ilya said that robotic priests would have certain advantages, and uh, perhaps the most striking of which, uh, in as she said, um, they're incapable of committing sexual abuse. Um, this is a really interesting, um, I don't know, discussion. Uh, numerous Catholic experts told Catholic News Agency that a robot priest would be sacramentally impossible in the Catholic Church because they are not human. You know, uh, That's and a basic principle. Oh, right. sure. yeah. Well, and, and well, <laughs> this is so, where we are. Okay. So the the reason that we bring this forward is because we live in 2019. Uh, Tyler, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I know that I have. Uh, I've had to explain some of the kind of the basic tenets of the Catholic Church and really of, 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 of Christianity, of the incarnational mm-hmm. nature of Christianity, mm-hmm. um, because that hasn't really been fleshed out, uh, pun intended, very much. Right. So like some of the basic things that perhaps we take for granted, people go, well, now why couldn't we have a robot as a priest? Right. You know, uh, have you had to, to do that where you've had to explain to, to folks yeah, no, the church believes this because of this reason. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of happens a lot nowadays, right? Yeah. We kind of tend to think surface level mm-hmm. and really don't get dig deeper into why we do what we do. Yeah. Um, and partially, and mostly it's because of Jesus's humanity, right? Yeah, On, sure. You know, his um, he coming down to earth. Divinity, and, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's scandalous. Yeah. I mean, like by definition, it's scandalous. Mm-hmm. Oh and yes, then, that, like that, the the incarnation is a scandal. Yeah, that the yeah. word, that the divine word becomes flesh. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's kind of the basis here, mm-hmm. um, where where sisters asking us to kind of challenge because uh, artificial intelligence is challenging our philosophical ideas that we also should begin to challenge those fixed philosophical ideas of uh, a non-robot priesthood. What? <laughs> Just, I feel honestly like I've like walked into the twilight zone since I came in like halfway through the story. But like just thinking about this, like so let's say that, like we try to take this seriously, right? Like robot priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lols. Um, <laughs> we try to take. By this the way, seriously. there's nothing to say that I'm not. By the way, I, I, I could be a very good android. Just, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> see, you see. But I, I also feel like this doesn't give God enough credit. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, when I was doing some research. Um, for a talk I gave a while back on like Eucharistic spirituality, I read um, God is Near Us by mm. Bene- Pope Benedict mm-hmm. or Joseph Ratzinger, I forget which one. Um, same guy. Same guy, just, you know, different instantiations. Different times, anyway, yeah. so, um, but at, there was at one point he was talking about how um, basically our freedom is a great risk, um, mm-hmm. but the value for which the risk is undertaken is so great and it's communion with us, like a real relationship with us. Yeah. And so God sees that that's the possibility of giving us that, that becomes possible, becomes mm-hmm. uh, real whenever he gives us freedom. So he, even though he knows because he's God that mm-hmm. we're going to fall, we're going to screw up. He still takes the risk because that relationship with us is worth it. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's like, the depth of, of his desire to mm-hmm. love. 
and exactly. to and to and to receive that's the kind of the mystery of it and to receive love too right that, that our god has no need of our love but he desires to receive mm-hmm. it yeah because of the communal reciprocal nature of it yeah. and that's really at the core of what a priest is supposed to be right mm-hmm. um and and as awesome as commander data is on star trek um he was unable to give and receive love Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. Sorry, fanboys. Sorry, <laughs> me. Um, uh, but as much as you can kind of um, emulate humanity, if you're not human, you can't be human. Absolutely. Right. That's just the way that it goes. Sorry, Pinocchio. <laughs> but I'm a real boy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> not until Gemini Cricket visits. Uh, so, so uh, yeah. So here are some of the, the kind of the philosophical things, right? Um how would a robot cooperate by intellect and will interiorly with grace to be conformed to Christ ontologically? That's really kind of the thing. So, oh, oh do we use a lot of long words there? <laughs> so, so a priest has to be uh, conformed to Christ uh, in the very nature of his being. Well, a robot doesn't have a soul. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, sci-fi. Sorry, Ray Bradbury. Uh, but a robot doesn't have a soul. And so that's actually what makes a priest a priest, is, is how yeah. the soul is, is conformed and uh, changed, if you will. Um, and so you, you're kind of advocating a, a dualism if you have a robot who is also a priest. You know, you can dress a robot like a priest. I'm sure they've done that in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Japan. But uh, but yeah, but, but you can't do it. Yeah, just apologizing to everybody yeah, here. It's a great segue for later. It is. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is uh, Father John Karcha, the uh, rector of Mundelein Seminary in Illinois, told the Catholic News Agency that his background in physics meant that he found the story about the possibility of robot priests intriguing. He says, according to the uh, article, Buddhist priests might be possible because they are people simply guiding people along a path. There's no ontological change for uh, for a Buddhist priest. But for Catholics, um, their faith necessitates an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And as we were just talking about, that's a, that's a very enfleshed thing, you know? People oftentimes joke with me like, oh, Father, can we... Uh, can we go to confession to a, to a, uh, over the phone? I'm like, well, no, absolutely not. Because you're not speaking, you're speaking with me, but you're speaking with me over a medium. You're mm-hmm. speaking with me mm-hmm. in a kind of a virtually instant manner. And there must be an encounter in order for the sacraments to be confected, right? If you mm-hmm. think about it. So, so you, you have to hear my voice and, and, and experience um, my presence in order for the sacraments to, to work. Because Jesus... Jesus, very rarely did he confer anything uh, by long distance. He did mm-hmm. it a couple of times. He did heal by long distance, right. but he was actually making himself present because, mm-hmm. well, he's God. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not bound by the laws of nature, right? Yeah. Priest is, right? we are. Um, in the same way, um, the, the priest has to be present uh, to, to confect the Eucharist. Uh, he can't say, ah, well, I'll just stay here in my bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll I'll say the mass and and everybody you just gather in the church and I'll be upstairs I promise and uh, and what what happens on the altar is going to be real no there, there's an encounter that that's there um, the priest also helps to facilitate in the sacramental way making really present that encounter between the Catholic and the divine between God and and the Christian huh not just the divine as some sort of vague concept he says but with the real person of God the real person of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to note that this doesn't mean that, uh, that Catholics fear um, technology, you know, and I think that's oftentimes the jump that gets made is that, is that we, we fear technology, you know? <laughs> well, now, well, we do have a lot of technology <laughs> happening in the studio right now. That's true. Good, uh, good eye there, scared. Tyler. 
Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not scared. Uh, but uh, but that's oftentimes the the jump that gets made mm-hmm. is that well, Catholics, if you don't want a robot to take over what we perceive to be a pre-shortage, then you must be anti-technology, huh? Um, <laughs> that old Galileo chestnut. Well, no, absolutely not. Uh, the fact that we are we are here and we are podcasting, we're we're working with video and audio shows that that there are important advancements that technology makes and that we should be part of that. Even AI can be helpful, uh, actually, um, in, in some way, um, within the context of faith. In fact, uh, Father, uh, Father Karcher says that. I mean, in some degree, we all make use of simple artificial intelligence without thinking about it in the same way. Our phones are based on algorithms, which make decisions without our directly being involved in them. Most priests have breveries on their phones, thank goodness, uh, which program ahead and let us pull up the daily mass readings and things like that. Um, and, and Sister Mary, I mean, lest we, lest we kind of, you know, kind of chuckle, uh, she said that technology can be a helpful tool in learning the faith, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is in the realm of speculative theology, and it's important to note that part of being able to do philosophy and theology is to be able to speculate a little mm-hmm. bit and to mm-hmm. kind of throw things uh, at the proverbial refrigerator and see if they stick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, this is one of those that, that well, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sister does say, uh, let's see if I can find the article here. She says that, um, uh, I'm losing my spot. Uh, she says uh, uh, that the San T.O. robots developed by a Japanese roboticist uh, that resemble saint figurines and they can recite certain prayers of prompted. She said, well, that's, that can be a help to, mm-hmm. to kind of accessing a sacramental, you know, a little mm-hmm. robot saint that, that could speak a prayer. That's, that's something, you know. Um, they can help children memorize prayers. Um, but Sister admits the prayer has no significance outside of its material reality unless it's said by a human being who offers it to God interiorly. Right. Mm-hmm. So you see how, how... The idea of this, like the person having a soul, right? Yeah, absolutely. In the offer of that prayer. Yeah, a little a little plastic uh, saint does <laughs> yeah. not have a soul, you know. They and, have little lambs you can buy at Catholic Art and Gifts that will say the Our Father. Oh, really? You know, I mean, I feel like that's a very oh. nascent form of this, but yeah, like yeah. it's it's, it's a, a tool mm-hmm. that can be used to, to help on the way to, to some kind of authentic spirituality, but it cannot be a replacement. Yeah, exactly, and that uh, that that perhaps is, I guess, going to be my Christmas gift now from Olivia or Kathleen. <laughs> you can just see it happen. Yeah, too. So well, I mean, uh, even for the Franciscan experience, mm-hmm. in the context of using technology, during the week we actually allow them to use their cell phones when we pray night prayer and oh, morning yeah, prayer there and the breviary, mm-hmm. just to show them that the use of technology can actually be beneficial That's in right. accessing Entr- prayers and yeah. things like that. And so, to introduce technology in, at an appropriate level is a good exactly, thing. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Uh, Kevin Miller, an associate professor of theology at Franciscan University of Steubenville told Catholic News Agency that in order to understand the priesthood, Catholics have to look to Jesus Christ, and Jesus is decidedly not a robot. Uh, Who would have thought? I know, right? Yeah, I think. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> the, the sacraments are instituted by Christ, and they configure us to Christ in various ways, right? Um, in Christ, God the Son took on a human nature for us, uh, for us men and for our salvation, we say, right? For we as human beings. Uh, we quote that in the Nicene Creed when we pray it every Sunday. The sacraments, he says, are part of the same saving plan. They're for humans, and in the sense that they can neither be received nor administered by robots or AI devices or the like, or any other non-human created beings, right? Sacraments are for humans, and they are for the living. And uh, robots are, are neither able to receive sacraments, nor are they living. And that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Backchat at catholicunderground.com. We haven't done that in a while, but, but if you want to kind of chime in, 
then uh, we can come back to the uh, to the discussion back chat at catholicunderground.com email us let us know or go to catholicunderground.com and you can leave us a little uh, info there in um, in the, the email form so uh, I suppose it goes without saying perhaps robotically do I say we are the Catholic underground <laughs> Alrighty. Whew. Well, you somehow have found Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris, joined by Tyler Trahan, by Olivia Galino, by Jeff Blackwell and Ed Ball. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, uh, well, you heard me apologizing in the you first did. segment. We did. <laughs> Profusely. We yeah, did. A yeah. lot. In a lot of different contexts, too, which, like I mentioned, was a perfect segue yeah. into this next segment. Um, and recognizing that we are human, as we yeah. talked about, you know, we have souls truly and everything. We we, truly we are. Um, but with our whole own humanity not being in Jesus' humanity, we do make mistakes, um, yeah, especially yeah. whenever we interact with other people. His was perfect humanity, and ours is most decidedly imperfect. Absolutely. And so most likely you're going to make mistakes followed by some sort of apology that you have to make to another person. Yeah. Now, at least one would hope. I would hope there's some sort of apology. Now, if we do encounter a situation where apology does exist, mm -hmm. how do we know if it's coming from an act of obligation or out of an act of sincerity? And so Father Michael Rinier, I'm gonna try to pronounce that correctly, mm -hmm. wrote for a website called Alatea. Again, hopefully I'm <laughs> You got that it, correctly. actually, Alatea I did, is I correct. Yeah. correct. All right, uh -huh. very good. Um, it's a Catholic website, um, and it's spelled A-L-E-T-E-I-A. -E -E it's a Catholic website that provides content for pretty much about everything. Mm -hmm. In um, fact, I dare say we could almost be called the Alatea podcast yeah, because right. we, we yeah, do we get a lot of our very, talking points right. from them. Yeah. And so, um, so he writes, Father Michael, on this specific question, but he brings his inspiration from uh, one of our saints. His name is St. John Chrysostom. Mm -hmm. um, he's He's a heavy hitter. He's a heavy hitter. Um, and actually, the word Chrysostom is Greek for golden tongue or golden mouth, yeah. depending on the translation. Um, he because shows he was, up an awful lot in the Office of Readings mm -hmm. because he was so golden He was tongued. so well-known. Um, he's mm -hmm. a well-known speaker. He was known for his eloquent speech. And so he actually wrote on five ways or five elements of a good apology. And mm -hmm. so we're going to go through those right quick. Um, and this is actually an affirmation for me that I'm on the right track because as I was reflecting on You've this, been doing it, some I was of like, that. hey, like I've been doing that. Okay. Apparently I've been doing very well. All right. So number one is own the mistake. Sometimes That's we get into that, uh, that, and you know, and they kind of mentioned throughout the article, like this is the tough, toughest one, but they're like, oh no, wait, this is the toughest one. And I'm like, look, each one of them are hard. Yeah, <laughs> Each yeah. one of them are hard. To and own so, it and say, no, mea culpa, like I did this, this is yes, my fault. Absolutely, and sometimes we have this tendency to apologize, but not necessarily owning it, you're still putting it on the other person. Uh -huh. um, so he, they actually mentioned in the article, you know, I'm sorry that I made you feel this way, as in like, you're the one that's at fault for feeling this way, uh, yeah. not necessarily saying that I did totally this, me. I'm, solely, I'm really sorry. Mm. Um, so it takes a lot of serious self-evaluation. Um, a lot of this I compare to the sacrament of confession that I'll get to a little bit later, mm -hmm. but it takes serious self reflection on what is it that I'm at fault for and how am I going to apologize for that to the other person. Um, so it's acknowledging that you, the part that you played in the situation, um, but don't complicate the apology by going into the details. Just acknowledge it, own it, 
and there you go. Yeah, I like how uh, John Chrysostom says, render judgment unto yourself. Exactly, that's how he puts it, is render yeah. judgment on yourself. You think Absolutely. about it, that's like the first bit of going into the confessional, is, mm -hmm. is rendering judgment unto yourself and then submitting yourself yeah. for God's judgment. Or you can call it an act of contrition. I know, I'm sorry, an examination of conscience. That's right. That's and what the, you're doing right That's now. right. The examination mm -hmm. of conscience is rendering mm -hmm. judgment unto myself. Right. Exactly. Hmm. All right. So the second one is drop ongoing ill feelings, um, or what St. John says, keep from bearing a grudge. Um, sometimes, especially nowadays, I find that we have the most difficulty with let, holding on to things and not, mm -hmm. not just letting them go. And so we have to let go of any ill will for us to grow in compassion and be understanding of the other person's point of view. Yep. And so this will ultimately prevent another situa situation like this from happening. Otherwise, if you've apologized, but then you turn your back and continue to complain about yeah. how this person thought this and how he or she was this and that and wrong, the apology is invalid mm -hmm. because you haven't let it go. You haven't completely forgiven them and forgiven yourself of um, the particular situation, which brings me to my third point, is in asking forgiveness. Can I go back just just a, a <laughs> bit? Sure, because absolutely, I, please. I know I know that in um, my side of the confessional, it's the holding, the bearing of a grudge mm -hmm. that that's the thing that really keeps us from moving to the forgiveness bit. Mm -hmm. And so, oftentimes, people will will term it. Father, I'm having trouble forgiving. Mm -hmm. And it's oftentimes because of the second thing of, mm -hmm. of not being able to drop the ongoing ill feelings because we feel like we have a little bit of power mm -hmm. if we hang on to them, mm -hmm. you know? And yet we can't ever get to forgiveness yeah. of, of, of saying, I no longer recognize this as sin, right? I'm right. forgiving this sin. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wiping it away. Yeah, and then in my own experience, it's a physical act because when, whenever you're... Um, in disagreement with somebody and then you're having to interact with them, say it's a colleague at work or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you physically have to get yourself to go say hi to that person. Mm -hmm. That yeah. way you're not, like, you're right. you, know, yeah. you well, have this like deep feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, like I don't really <laughs> want to say hi to this person because this just happened. It's like, no, like it takes a physical act for you to go out of yourself mm -hmm. and say, Hi, how are you? Um, right. How's and your day going? It shows again the incarnational nature, right? Mm -hmm. our, our human nature has to encounter other human nature Absolutely. in order for these these uh, these bonds of relationship to be healed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, so asking forgiveness. Asking forgiveness. And so, but St. John says this from the bottom of your heart, which I think is crucial and I think is pretty, pretty wise. Um, to say from the bottom of your heart, ask forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But what's also important is to allow forgiveness of yourself. So it's reciprocal. You have to do it both ways. And so it allows the other person to participate in the process, which is a very interesting notion. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it this way. Mm -hmm. On Whenever you ask forgiveness from the other, it's them participating in the process, which makes them feel more um, a part of... Uh, of the, the, of the, the reconciliation. Whole point of reconciliation. Uh, yeah, oh. Exactly. Hmm. And so I, I kind of uh, respected that. I kind of appreciated that. Um, and so for me, asking forgiveness, but then accepting that forgiveness is another easy way of moving forward. So not only forgetting, like letting go of the ill will, but also that forgiveness mm -hmm. allows us to eat more easily move forward. Yeah. And so 
The next step after that, which would be number four, is making restitution. And I think this is probably the most important, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because it's one thing to ask forgiveness, but what are you going to do after that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's This is not, actually built into reconciliation, right? That's, uh, right. And yeah. that was a part of my reflection, thinking about this, like, wow, this is like reconciliation. Like, this is all reconciliation. It's just with another person. that's what John Chrysostom was going for. Exactly. And so... Oh, that golden tongue. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so making restitution. So St. John comments on this by saying that making restitution institution has a great power more than you can tell. And another way that you can say this for me is if you talk to talk, you got to walk the walk. Yeah. And so taking steps to change the behavior that caused the disagreement. Now I love psychology. So talking about behavior is something I get really excited about. And so whenever you're making restitutions, what behavior are you going to change mm -hmm. to make sure that whatever you are apologizing for or whatever you're receiving forgiveness for, how are you going to change that? Mm -hmm. and, because and if it doesn't change, then yeah, you it happens again, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's just isn't just that something too? Is that that our penance essentially is is me saying my life is going to be different, and this is the kind of the first down payment on mm -hmm. on the new life that I've received, right? And I don't know that I've ever thought about that in depth about with a, with another person, mm -hmm. right? Saying okay, well, how am I going to kind of do a penance for mm -hmm. this situation mm -hmm. that I caused? Well, and then it also gives a sense of gratification for the other yeah. um, and, and a healthy gratification as in like, I value you. And so I'm going to take the steps to be able to rectify the situation and know that I value you in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so taking those steps to make sure that you're correcting whatever you, the situation, whatever you're apologizing for is very important. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the last one, number five, which St. John actually mentions is the hardest one that he feels um, is a part of this process, is maintaining humility. Mm -hmm. Now, humility can be defined in many different ways. A lot of people know it as, you know, being humble, thinking less of yourself compared to other people. Um, but actually, for me, it's recognizing the equality of the other person and that I am no better than you and you are no better than me, hmm. but we need each other. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we forgive each other, it's recognizing that not only do I value you in my life, but also you have something to contribute to the world. And we want we need to help each other in doing that. Um, yeah. And so practicing humility allows us to better accept, but also receive apologies more readily. Again, because we recognize that we are all equal, we're no better than the other. And so it's easier for us to receive apologies, but also forgiveness as well. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, all this talk about uh, about energy. Mm -hmm. uh, humility is kind of a renewable resource. Yeah. The more we humble ourselves, right. the more we have a capacity to give and receive mm -hmm. uh, uh, con uh, contrition and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so those are the five ways that St. John talks about how to make a sincere apology or how to recognize a sincere apology is made. And so I love this because it challenges us to think through more readily mm -hmm. how we encounter each other in our day-to-day -day life and in our routines. Yeah. And so it's not just about doing for the sake of doing, it's doing for the sake of reflecting, um, for the sake of growing, mm -hmm. especially in our encounters with each other, because whenever we encounter each other, we encounter Jesus. And so sometimes we'll go apologize to someone just because we feel like we have to, but nothing is rectified. But like I said, this reminded me so much of the sacrament of confession. So the next time you see yourself in this uh, sticky situation, pray for grace, recognize our humanity, and that Christ meant for us to be in relationship with each other. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back after this.
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. That's German. That's not Hawaiian. Sorry. Oh. Aloha. You found the Catholic Underground. I'm cultured. I'm sorry. With me, Father Chris Decker. You've got Tyler Traha, who is surprisingly cultured, actually. Uh, Olivia Galino, eminently cultured. <laughs> Jeff Blackwell, who is a culture. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and Ed, who appreciates everyone. Yeah. Pass the Ed, boy, Ed. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, so, that Hawaiian thing. Yeah, Never mind. there will be no hula on the Jeff Star one. <laughs> Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, there is a notion uh, that sometimes uh, we can get a little carried away when it comes to devotion, most especially to the Blessed Mother, to Mary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, sometimes if you're kind of sight unseen, looking at Marian devotions, especially in, uh, in places like Mexico and Spain and, and really mm-hmm. all of Europe, we go, what is going on there? Yeah. And what I find interesting is, uh, is the world begins to ask the question, well, what are the Catholics doing? Right. And is there too much, right? Yeah. Well, and that's something to, you know, I think we often think about it in dichotomy with like Protestants and Catholics, right? Mm-hmm. So like Protestants think that our, any, any acknowledgement of Mary beyond, you know, her presence in scripture and the fact that she's the mother of Jesus is just too much, right? Um, but then you get to the Catholic side and sometimes we can dig our heels in and be like, Mary is everything. And even from a Catholic perspective, it might seem a little bit weird. I remember thinking that in high school when I was just trying to like understand basic things about the faith. But I remember thinking like, okay, like I get it because mm-hmm. like she definitely is the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, how does this but, fit? Yeah, and especially when you look at different devotions and things, when and sometimes it seems like we're getting lost in the person of Mary, mm. and we're like, well, but like Jesus, though? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, Joe Heschmeyer over at Word on Fire talked about this question, and I actually really loved that he he took this perspective on it because I think it hel- it's helpful f- for you know people reading just to say like, oh, okay, good, someone else has had that thought. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. especially and it's, it's a challenging discussion too because a lot of Catholics don't want to look at it. Yeah. You know, uh, we we just we we experience perhaps a discomfort, but we don't know what to do with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it's good to just like put a name to it, look it in the face, and say like, okay. There's just some parts of what we do that are weird, but why are they weird? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he gives the example of the Salve Regina, um, so uh, the, which is the the Hail Holy Queen. So at the end, we you know we call Mary like, uh, or in the middle, we call Mary our life, our sweetness, and our hope, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I don't know if you've ever prayed that and kind of thought to yourself like our life, right? Like to say that the blessed Mer- the blessed Virgin is our life. Maybe we we start to think well like, but like our life and our hope are. Jesus though like for sure though and maybe we start to question what we believe or not just what we believe but like how we understand our beliefs like am I am I getting something wrong am I missing something yeah um but he says that part of the answer is both cultural and rhetorical um and I think that he's he's really onto something here so he he points to the fact that a lot of the things that maybe we consider like schmaltzy is what he says or mm-hmm. um it just exaggerating yeah. seeming kind, kind of, of statements a lot of superlative about Mary. language right like those kinds of things that we we say about Mary 
a lot of those, first of all, tend to come from romantic languages, like the romance languages. So cultures that use those languages. So we're talking Italian, French, Spanish, right? These are very effusive kinds of language. That's right. And language, I mean, this is something similar. right? Yeah. They, they have the ability to make a super, 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 super superlative yes. just by adding isimo. Yeah, and they ain't scared to do it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like but, Jeffisimo. I mean, <laughs> Jeffisimo. Yeah. Aww. Molto bene. Um, but, you know, language has been proven to be um, like part and parcel with how you think, right? Yeah. Like your primary language also is both like determined by and determines the way that you think. Um, so that's why like the languages that you speak are very important into just like the kind of functions that your brain has. It's also um, why Klingon is not my second language. Keep going. What am I supposed to do with that? Okay. <laughs> you look at me and you're like, like you're tossing me something useful. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not. All right. Okay. Anyway. I'm just going to put my coffee cup yeah. down. It's better that way. Tyler, just take over. Um, no. So, I mean, think about it. like the, the languages I just talked about, like Italian, French, Spanish, not Klingon, right? Those are like, you can think about Italian people of which I am one, right? French people of which Tyler is kind of one, right? Like, well, Cajun's different. Traha. Yeah. Sure. But it's different we'll than go, French. Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. I'm just trying to... It's different from Parisian French. Yes. Thank you. Okay. That's true. But you can think about those people and just like, would you say that the Cajun people are pretty effusive, right? <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, In they, their own way. That's right. They they love deeply and they feel everything deeply. Yeah. Exactly. I actually witnessed a Cajun discussion and an Italian discussion at the dinner table once. And oh, I yeah. remember that. And Olivia was the Italian on the other end. It was very oh, entertaining. Wow. Yeah. I won that discussion too. Um, As all Italians. <laughs> and the Cajun on the other end probably would think the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well. So it trend, anyway. It so that's another. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> so let's just like go back to maybe like a source that can help us with something like this. And and someone like John Henry Newman, blessed John Henry Newman, soon to be saint. John Henry Newman, mm, so yes, excited right. for that. Um, Joe Heschmeyer points out as maybe a, a helpful perspective, especially when you consider the fact that Newman was English and so notoriously very stuffy. Mm -hmm. um, but also he just, as his personality, was just more kind of like proper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he has a, a, a beautiful way of looking at this. Um, so I'm just going to read part of it to you. So he says that of all passions, love is the most unmanageable. Mm. Love that word. Nay more, I would not give much for that love which is never extravagant, which always observes the proprieties and can move about in perfect good taste under all emergencies. Hmm. What mother, what husband or wife, what youth or maiden in love, but says a thousand foolish things in the way of endearment, which the speaker would be sorry for strangers to hear. Hmm. Yet they are not on that account unwelcome to the parties to whom they are addressed. Sometimes by bad luck, they're written down. Sometimes they get into the newspapers. And what might even be graceful when it was fresh from the heart and interpreted by the voice or the countenance presents but a melancholy exhibition when served up cold for the public eye. Ah, so love can be really sloppy sometimes. Yeah. And, and just straight, like uh, kind of straight, uh, straight from the heart, huh? Our yeah. cardial fluid, right? Just blah, oh, there, yeah. Uh -huh. The word fluid. <laughs> right, but he's, I'm just skipping over that. So he says that it, it's the same thing with devotional feelings, right? Like you, you have that kind of surge of the heart that gets you to, to say things that maybe you wouldn't say to, you know, just anyone, but also maybe that you wouldn't say outside of a certain, certain context, right? But you're saying it to someone because of some reason right mm -hmm. um and that reason is love yeah because but, you're either infatuated or you are deeply in love yeah and you're trying to give word to something that your heart can't 
give words to. Exactly. Um, and he says that with devotional feelings, it's not different, right? Because he has, we have these burning thoughts and words and they're as open to criticism as they are beyond criticism. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but you have that same kind of experience of like, well, I say these things, but then, you know, maybe they, they're written down or they're preserved in some way. And maybe they just seem sterile later or they seem like overly effusive because I'm reading it outside of that context in which it was originally said mm -hmm. or someone else is reading it outside of that original context. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he even talks about, um, I don't know if y'all remember the flight of the Concords. Oh, of course. Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, the one about Jenny. So good. Um, but they have a, you know, not for, not for all eyes, a slightly racy song. It's called the, the most beautiful girl in the room. Um, in which the singer, well, that's a loose word for what they do, but the singer compliments <laughs> a girl by saying things like, I can tell that you're the most beautiful girl in the room. And when you're on the street, depending on the street, I bet you're definitely in the top three good looking girls on the street. Right. <laughs> wow. So that they're in a very kind of like, you know, joking way yeah, they're absolutely. saying, well, they're making terrible compliments, but what they're doing is they're, they're, pointing out those things that, that people say, um, when, when they're in love, right. When they're trying to express something mm -hmm. that is deep seated and it isn't always, uh, polished as uh, Newman right. would say. Exactly. Um, and so, um, this can, you know, be applied to how we think about Mary, um, because criticizing us, criticizing Catholics, other Catholics, um, for exuberantly praising our mother, right? That's, that's who Mary is. She's not, she's not only the mother of Jesus, but she is our mother. Jesus makes that very clear on the cross. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but so to criticize praising our mother is kind of like criticizing a child for buying a number one dad mug for his father, right? Or saying things like, well, can you prove it? <laughs> right. Like where are your statistics? <laughs> Bring right? us the dad competition report. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Of all the dads in the world, what makes must, makes you think that yours is the best, right? No, we don't do that. We just accept the the love that the child is giving the present with and the acknowledgement that they understand that, no, their dad is the best dad in the world. You know? Plus they don't make a number 32,444th dad. Someone has tried though. You know, someone has tried. Well, I could make someone best. very literal like you. I could make $32. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very specific kind of Etsy shop. I do. I should. <laughs> I ought. Father Chris has just the most like just forget, strip away love, strip away sentiment. He's just got the most like hard nonsense kind of hard nonsense. Hard nonsense. I think, yeah, I can identify Christmas with that. Christmas gifts. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, some of you might object. Some of you think that you know, maybe we'd be careful not to exaggerate, especially when we're talking about things of the faith. Maybe we shouldn't use over the top flowery language, but really no, you know, we, this is something that definitely has a place. Um, and there's two reasons for this. You know, first of all, if we were to, to say, you know, no flowery language, no over the top language, we're really limiting the fullness of human emotional expression. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and exaggeration for effect is a great way to emphasize a point. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's really kind of arbitrary to, de to demand that it not be used just because it's, I mean, like we were saying earlier, like it's a more robotic way of, of speaking, right? I can speak in just straight facts, but that also limits what my humanity is capable of, yeah. right? And especially like if I'm trying to communicate something that's enormous mm -hmm. and I don't have the words for that, well, then I'm going to find an exaggeration. I'm going to find a hyperbole, something that is beyond the scope of, of maybe even reality itself, just so that I can communicate what I'm trying to communicate, right? Um, but even second Jesus of all, did that. Oh, he, especially Jesus mm -hmm. did that. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but also, you know, to, to limit the flowery language would, <clears throat> would reject, I mean, rejecting exaggeration would thwart our ability to understand what, like you were saying, the scriptures, yeah. right? Because 
the scriptures very much employ exaggeration. Um, a lot of the Bible is metaphoric. Maybe you've learned that in your CCD classes or in your religious education. Um, but we also have to realize that parts of the Bible are also exaggerated, yeah. right? Um, and exaggeration is a part of Jewish culture, just like it's a part of, you know, like Sicilian culture, Cajun culture. Mm -hmm. you know. Whatever Father Chris is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we accept you the way you are. What's in that coffee, Father Chris? I am human. I'm just saying. I'm, That's right. He, he's I'm his own a, species. I'm not an alien. Like an angel. <laughs> like an angel. Um, but yeah, so exaggeration is very much a part of uh, cultures, but specifically the Jewish culture um, and also the Mediterranean cultures. So all of the people that um, that Jesus is both coming from and like speaking to, right? They, they understand exaggeration as just a, a normal way of speaking. Um, so think about like 1 Samuel 18 when uh, David kills Goliath. You know, they're coming home. David's, um, you know, he's slayed the Philistine. The women come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing um, to meet King Saul with timbrel and songs of joy, right? Um, and the women sang to one another as they made merry. Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Mm -hmm. David killed one guy, yeah. right? So you read that and you're like, did I, did they like rip some pages out of this Bible <laughs> where like after he killed Goliath, he like killed the entire army? Like, no, like he killed one guy, mm -hmm. but the women aren't crediting him with killing tens of thousands, right? And that exaggeration makes Saul mad. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, and because he's mad because, number one, it's not literally true. And it's not that he's just like, you know, a staunch empiricist, right? <laughs> um, but also because they only credit him with killing thousands, right? right so they're yeah, still yeah. exaggerating for his benefit. But, but like, not as much. <laughs> yeah, this like this kid, this ruddy-haired kid. but Dave, it's better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Um, so... You can also remember this kind of exaggeration when you think about like the incredible body counts at certain parts of the Old Testament. Yeah. Like a lot mm -hmm. of the Old Testament is talking about battles and war and things like that. Um, but they also just like, they really describe like the body count to you. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can just seem like unfathomable mm -hmm. to us. Well, Matter yeah, of perception. Be because they're they're probably employing some kind of exaggeration, some kind of a, a hyperbole, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the way that they communicate, right? Yeah. We communicate- Either that or the priests of Baal did not experience a shortage until after they were all slain. Hacha. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you were waiting. you've been waiting like four years to tell that joke. <laughs> Try 14, but yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, Sorry, now Jeff. think about Jesus. Just everyone think about Jesus. All right, um, he uses a similar kind of like rhetorical exaggeration in Matthew 18, right? Um, a passage that would on its face seem to advocate for some kind of mutilation, right? And you, you'll, yeah. you'll note as soon as I start reading it, right? If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it from you. Uh, it's better for you to enter life maimed or maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown in the internal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, throw it from you, right? Okay. Are we really supposed to pluck our eyes out and chop our hands and our feet off? Nope. Tyler? Absolutely not. Thank you. Right? No, like we're not supposed to do that. Um, and we, we don't find, you know, the followers of Christ mutilating themselves mm -hmm. and just saying like, well, he said to it's do it. There, yeah. Who's got a machete? Leroy? No, like they're, <laughs> they're not going around taking him literally because they know that he's, yeah. he's using a, a kind of uh, rhetorical device. Yeah. Walking through the eye of the needle to get to heaven. Oh, that's true. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very true. <laughs> um, Plus five for Tyler. Yeah, nicely done. done. Yeah. I can do this too. <laughs> there it is. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, and, and we hear something similar from Paul, right? Galatians 5, um, that, you know, those preaching mandatory circumcision would just castrate themselves, right? He's not saying this is what you should literally go do, right? right? But he's exaggerating for effect, right? And it makes the point. Can, can we agree that it makes mm -hmm. the point? Um, 
So even though it's uncomfortable to even, you know, acknowledge that parts of the Bible are exaggerated because it's just so deeply ingrained in us that things are either literally true or they're false. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a lot of the trouble that people have when they read the Bible just on its own. Right. Like maybe they're, they're, um, you know, not reading it for, for some of these examples, like we said, but they're just reading the Bible and they struggle with things like, well, that doesn't seem like it can be true. So it's just false. And then is the whole thing false. Right. Right. We, we struggle with those kind of deep categories. Um, and you know, Father Chris, Joe, uh, in this article mentions a movie that I haven't seen yet, but I know that you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I have, I have. Right? Yeah. So Drax is this alien yeah. that that uh, only speaks in in literal, literal. words, right? Yes. So Cannot take pe- sarcasm. Exactly. So metaphors don't happen. You know, Mm-mm. say, man, the, these metaphors are just going over your head. And Drax would say, nothing goes over my head. Yes. My reflexes are too fast. I yeah. mm-hmm. catch it. You know, and that's part of the the humor of it all. Sounds like Dwight from The Office. Uh, yeah, there you go. He is kind bit. of he is kind of like the alien Dwight. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So because of that, uh, it's either literal or it's lies, mm-hmm. and so Drax doesn't understand a lot of what's going on around him, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of how whenever you're watching a religious debate, <laughs> it can look like that. Yeah. You know, or if you're even looking at at how how Catholics pray. Uh, it can look that way, I suppose, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, I mean, like, this is definitely true in a lot of the way that we debate religious things um, when things like this come up in the Bible, but um, but also, like, in the way that we pray, um, like Father Chris was saying. Um, and so all this whole kind of, like, conversation with Christianity, maybe, like, we can have that kind of Drax Christianity where, like, things are either literally true or they're literally false. Mm -hmm. But then we also can sleep into, like, a Drax kind of atheism, Mm -hmm. um, or maybe we just acknowledge it, that that, that's something that exists. So, like, for example, when Ross Dothet um, explained to Bill Mayer, who is an atheist, that the Bible was never intended to be understood as a science textbook, that even the earliest Christians recognized this, Mayer responds kind of bizarrely, right? Um, He says, so you're giving yourself license to say that some of the Bible is BS. But the Bible does say, it's funny, it says this is 100% true. No, it doesn't. Uh, And the Bible says you have to take it like that. Now, if it's not 100% true, I would say the whole thing falls apart. Right? Mm. So this is that kind of... um, very limited, very literalist yeah. uh, interpretation. We we subscribe to a literal view of the Bible, which means that we take the words plus their meaning, right? But a literalist says, no, 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 it, it says what it says and it means what it means mm-hmm. because of what it says, right? So if the Bible were to say, you know, uh, it's raining cats and dogs, well then... You'd go outside and look yeah. for pet there are, there are felines <laughs> and canines descending yeah. from the heavens, right? Yeah. Um, so, that, But we see, again, those two categories, right? Either completely true or completely false. Mm-hmm. And there's really no room for, for understanding or interpretation in there. Um, and so he seems to cite some kind of imaginary Bible verses about how the Bible is 100% true, which how would the Bible reference itself when it wasn't written all together? Yeah, I think um, maybe he hasn't read it. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to place any judgments, but yeah. Um, but but hit the conclusion that he comes to is that it can't have any non-literal language. And that's a modern way of reading, right? Yeah. We do this with everything, um, which is why a lot of people have trouble with the Bible is because we want to read it non-literally. Mm-hmm. We want to, sorry, we want to read it literally and we have trouble with non-literal language yeah. because we just don't think like that anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not the way, that's right. not the way English is set up. It's certainly not the way our society is set up. We're set up for a hard truths, hard and mm-hmm. fast truths. And even if things are like maybes we have trouble you know subscribing to them yeah right and fitting them into a category yeah if it can't be fit into a category Just me what it is and that's it yeah don't put any deeper thought into it yeah exactly um so 
And, but I mean, even when you just think about like the way that, that normal people talk, like if you have to rely on like our idioms and things to, to understand that, no, 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 there is room for those kind of non-literal ways of understanding things or ways of taking in information or giving information, right? All of that can, can help us to kind of settle and sit with the fact that like exaggeration is a good right? Because it's a, it's a natural human means of communication. Um, it can be dangerous when it's not recognized, um, uh, you know, as, as exaggeration, yeah. right? Like if we were, um, like, I mean, the example given here is like when we treat a love letter, like a police report, like, mm, <laughs> yeah, mm, there'd be dragons there. Don't do that. Right. right. But also like if you treat a police report, like a love letter, right? You have to be able to, to give what's due in the context, um, that you have in front of That's you. Right. So we can say of Mary, our life, our sweetness and hope, yeah. or realizing that we are, we are in love with her because it is through her that we have access to our life, our true sweetness and our hope, which is Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to be effusive, especially because it comes from a place of love, right? Mm-hmm. To, to look upon Mary and want to weave those crowns of roses for her by our prayers, um, by, you know, the giving of sweet things. Who doesn't like to say sweet things to their mom, right? Which, Jeff, is uh, why we call it a rosary. Mm? There you go. Yeah, okay, good. All right. All right. All right. right. Well, I'm going to share in that bell since I've, you know. Yeah, you should. You you set it up. I just knocked it down. Yeah, that was a beautiful. I never heard that the weave um, a crown of roses. Yeah. That that was beautiful. I'm going to take that with me. So if you look at the image of the Immaculate Heart, what is it woven with? Oh, right. Right. Yeah, I I had that image in my head. All right. Way to go, Sweet. Catholic imagery! You have been you've been doing it right for <laughs> almost a millennium or so. I don't know how long that image of the Immaculate Heart has been around. Oh, I don't know. Mm, there's That's something good, for my googling I how skills. How I would think it would be after Sister Faustina created the. I suspect it's before that because yeah. you can really? find you can find Our Lady's uh, heart with roses uh, in some of the basilicae that are, mm-hmm. are old, uh, mm-hmm. much older than 1924. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I do like that. I'm going to have to look that up yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna, he won't be, find it. Yeah, so, uh, so the, the moral of the story is to pray with all you got. huh? And, and uh, I would always echo what Maximilian Kolbe says, you don't have to worry about yeah. loving the Blessed Mother too much. Huh? Mm-hmm. Jesus loved her with everything he had, and you mm-hmm. can never love her more than like Jesus, Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, so there you go. All right. Well, uh, that said, one of the things that, that you remember... Tyler, that we uh, do on the show. I have a bad memory. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, it's that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All right. uh, And for our CU Picks of the Week, why don't we go to Tyler first? Because he is the guest. Yes. Hospitality. Hospitality rocks here. There you go. So I'm actually going to send a quick shout out to my friend Grace Krause Mm -hmm. uh, because she is the creator of my Pick of the Week. And so something that I struggle with, and I don't know if you do, is that whenever I start reading a book, I have a lot of trouble finishing it. Mm. Very, very much. Um, I can't remember the last time I finished a book, actually. So Uh, Grace actually created a new podcast called Return By, a podcast for literary procrastinators. And what this what this podcast I know, right? And what this podcast is for is for people who struggle just like I do. And what they do is they um, give a book and they say on this date is whenever you have to read it by. Mm-hmm. So there's no return. There's no like check out oh. for more time. Oh. It's by this date. But what they do is they have a panel of people kind of similar to here where they talk about the book and then you can participate, of course, in the conversation. Um, oh. You can find it on Apple Podcasts um, and just subscribe from there and then you can get more information. So um, I've heard really good things about it and Grace and the panel that she gives very entertaining very engaging and they have really really good conversations so they just did man alive by gk chesterson nice. um so you can go in and play that and um join in the fun 
If, yeah. if you ever need a new name for your podcast, I suggest book club or else. <laughs> uh, uh, Olivia, your pick of the week. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, don't know. Sinister, wow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you just have to let it let, let it slide off yeah. your back, Tyler. Okay, so um, my pick of the week is actually having to do a little bit with what we talked about um, with like understanding scripture better. So um, there's a, a site that I've used since college called Bible Hub, um, and if you've never heard of it, it's not like Bible Gateway because it's more of like a study tool. Mm -hmm. um, so I used it when I took Hebrew in college and then in graduate school. Um, but you can um, you can pull up different translations of the Bible. You can pull up different commentaries, not as many as if you have like the Verbum software, but some. Um, but it also can give you like a lexicon. A lexicon is just helping you break down the scriptures word by word. So maybe there's a word in scripture in your English translation that you're like, that seems weird or I don't understand why that would be there. You can go and look it up um, in this in um, on Bible Hub, and it'll tell you you know what it is in Hebrew or in Greek, depending on Old or New Testament, um, and then it'll, it'll maybe give you some references as to where it shows up in other books of the Bible. It's great. I use Bible Hub almost every day, um, oh, it's and got the never yeah, it's nice. it's fantastic. How come I've never seen this before? I mean, I've seen Bible Hub, but I guess I haven't I don't know. dug I too haven't deep, plumbed the depths. Indeed. I don't know. Well, but now you know. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up on the uh, the satellite there, Jeff, uh, what's your pick of the week? Oh, we got all geeky and excited this week because um, iPhone released its uh, iOS 13. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, what? By the way, whatever happened to iPhone 9? Hmm? Shh. Don't say it. Okay. Jeff, be quiet. All right. Don't. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Uh, but this is really <laughs> worth taking a look at. There's like 200 updates, and I have the uh, the link listed in our show notes here. Uh, but uh, they, wallpapers, beefy uh, video. The photo and, and, editing and, stuff is yes, really nice. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one that I really like is Share ETA because, oh, um, you, know, like when, you know, I'm going to mom's for uh, Thanksgiving. She said, son, when are you going to be here? Well, let me share my ETA with you, mom. And she could track me on her phone and know where I am at all times and, uh, you know, see when I'm going to arrive approximately. Yeah. Uh, uh, CarPlay, there's some customized fonts that you're really excited about. I know if I'm know. i always excited about fonts as long <laughs> as they're not those two. Uh, another one I like is Silence Unknown Callers. How many times? So, um, it's, uh, But just check out the list. It's, it's a pretty extensive list. And, of course, um, iPhone 11, 11 Pro is... Um, uh, yeah, with its multi-cameraed uh, action. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. out. So, and it's at a much um, you know lower price point. Uh, but I understand there's going to be another update uh, toward the end of the month, September 30th. Yeah, 13.1. There you go. Uh, and that's to fix some of the glitches that folks are finding. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So. I, I actually, so far, I figured, ah, what the hey, and uh, downloaded uh, iOS 13. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I haven't found all the glitches. There are a couple but uh, I kind of like the, the fact that you have, now you have Memoji stickers. So like you, yes. you don't just have the animated emoji, but you can send a sticker of yourself too, oh. which is kind of mm. neat. I'll just sit yeah. here with my Android phone. Yes, oh, I'll you, happily sit here with my Android phone. Yeah, we, we are a bit of a divided house as they, as they say, but well, it's okay. I'm it's hoping right. to come Only to the light Kathleen very soon, oh. so. <gasps> yeah. Tyler, be strong, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> it's like he, it's like Intrigue. he, yeah, he, he kind of rolled in for a hit, like he was going to get a punch or something. I'm a nice person. Oh. <laughs> Darn it! I'm just trying to encourage you to virtue. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my pick of the week is the the third. So it's the end of the the Mighty Jack trilogy where he meets up with Zeta the Space Girl. Ben Hatkey is a, a Catholic uh, from uh, from Front Royal, Virginia. 
and he is also uh, a writer and an illustrator. And so he's been writing uh, for, gosh, almost a decade now, uh, Zeta the Space Girl, which I think is named after his daughter, Zeta, and, uh, and Mighty Jack, which is kind of a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk. And I guess because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a thing, he's bringing all of his different characters together in one rock'em sock'em team up to, uh, to, well, you know, fight for the universe or whatever. So, uh, so I haven't, I haven't finished reading it yet, but this is the, uh, the fascinating trilogy into the trilogy, um, of Mighty Jack, Zeta, the space girl. And, uh, let's see, the second book was Mighty Jack versus, and the Goblin King, where he meets up with Zeta, the space girl. So, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Oh man, good graphic novels, mm-hmm. uh, especially about so uh, good questions. being good and evil being evil and mm-hmm. good vanquishing evil. Ben's really good at that, and he also draws very well. So, uh, so yeah, Mighty Jack and Zeta the Space Girl is my pick of the week. When are we going to be able to pick ah. your graphic novel as the pick yeah. of the week? Yeah. Ah. So when I finish uh-huh. writing it and drawing it, yeah, yeah. I haven't, actually, I haven't finished writing it yet. I, I had hoped to do that during my sabbatical, but I didn't mm. get very far. Um, no. Plus, Inktober happened, which Inktober is happening it's about again. To happen so, again. Oh, that's true. yeah, oh, this is yeah. the time to work on it. Yeah, October first. I guess I could do that's a, little, a little work. Yeah, October first begins Inktober. If you want information about that, you can go to Inktober.com. If you're an artist or like to draw, the idea is basically making one inked drawing every day throughout the month of October. Oh, who has the time for that? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I have for the past two years. I hope I do again this year. I'm going to give it a shot. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to follow me. Uh, well, I'll tell you about that in just a second. Yeah. Jeff, we are always grateful for our viewers, our listeners, our benefactors, aren't we? Uh, we are, and we we need a book of your Inktober drawings, yeah. Father. Oh, so, okay. Uh, okay. I guess I can make that up. Uh, this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. An important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. And if you really like that podcast, pop by iTunes and leave us a review and click them stars, youngins. That's right. We hope that we are your pick of the week. And if we are, uh, tell somebody about it on whatever it is you're doing. Uh, Our panelists this week have been Tyler Traha. Thank you, Tyler, very much. Always, always a pleasure to be here. Always welcome on the show. Olivia Glino is at the.real.omg on all of the social media. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. Also, Jeff Blackwell is the, uh, well, he's Jeff. He's our technical director. He's at Jeff Blackwell us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Jeff. It's a privilege, Father. And our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, especially during Inktober at Digital Catholic. You can see what I draw every day. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground for Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.